What the hell did all us bands do before the advent of iPads, portable video game systems, and Netflix? Touring in a band is nothing but a giant game of hurry up and wait, waiting hours and hours for the opportunity to play music for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour and a half. One needs something to keep busy during the downtime. Of course, we've all heard the stories of bored rock bands getting into mischief that it's almost become a tradition, almost expected. But to buck all that jock bullshit, I've always looked to other ways to be entertained. A simple good book would be the perfect time killer, but admittedly, in the torrid world of rock and roll, one must have their wits about them to plow through a book and not get distracted every 20 seconds. I remember one tour we did a long time ago, and it's a long time ago because the bus we were touring in had a VCR. This was on the cusp of the DVD explosion, and the only VHS tape on the bus worth watching was the movie Snatch, directed by Guy Ritchie. On that tour, I saw Snatch over a dozen times, and whenever I hear some line from the movie or even see a clip to this day, I am immediately brought back to that tour. The thought of buying another movie never crossed our minds because nobody had enough money to blow on a VHS tape. We instead just rewound the tape and started over again. The same went for a simple long-distance phone call back home. Trying to save enough change to put into a payphone for a phone call that could get you five minutes at most was a chore unto itself. Nowadays, you can make a phone call anywhere through your mobile smartphone for free. All these advances has made touring a lot easier, and of course, it didn't take long before everyone was taking the convenience for granted, forgetting about how cumbersome it all was just yesterday. Now when we tour, movies aren't watched communally. We all hover over our own devices. Of course, there's Netflix and all the other streaming services like Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Now, and even YouTube. So no matter where we are in the world, on the road, we're always a click away from watching a selection of custom-picked movies and TV shows. All this ease has sucked me in. Now I can't even dream of touring without a battery of downloaded movies and television shows. I've been able to catch up with a lot of movies I've missed over the years due to lack of funds or just not being around, and I've also been turned on to current television shows that everyone's watching. And my favorite television show that even rivals my lifelong fandom for Three's Company is Terrace House. Terrace House is a Japanese reality show co-produced by Netflix and Fuji TV. It focuses on three men and three women living together under one roof, all in the hopes of getting to know each other and possibly dating, much like MTV's real world. On paper, it's a tired premise. However, there are added layers to Terrace House that sets it apart from all the other reality show PAP. The biggest being the six-person panel brought in to discuss the happenings in the house. It is so addictive, I binge-watched the show on tour, and it's gotten me through some long slogs out on the road. So far, three out of its four seasons have been posted on Netflix. Boys and Girls in the City, Aloha State, Opening New Doors, and the fifth upcoming season called Tokyo 2019-2020, to already airing in Japan, and it's set for release in every other region on September 10, 2019. That's this Tuesday if you're keeping score. I know I am. But here's my little tiny first world problem. I love this show. 
love to binge watch it, but have no one to talk about it with. Usually you can find at least one person out there who watches your favorite show and can cobble some sort of conversation out of it. I guess the same goes for sports, but in this case, nope, nobody. And yet Time Magazine ranked it one of the best TV shows of 2018. In order to feed my Terrace House fix and to add to my growing excitement of a new season, I reached out to writer Bethy Squires, who wrote a great piece for Vulture, where she ranked every member of Terrace House, all the way to opening new doors with, spoiler alert, Sena being her number one. She also writes for Vice and CNN. She runs her own Terrace House Twitter account called at Terrace House Cap. And visit her on Twitter to read all her writing at Bethy B-S-Q-U. That's at Bethy B-S-Q-U. And seriously, if you don't watch Terrace House, I'll understand if you skip over this episode because Bethy and I go deep into the world of Terrace House with pretty much no clarification for the uninitiated. But also, I kind of hope it piques interest and maybe there's someone out there listening who will get into it and start watching. Again, new season of Terrace House for anyone outside of Japan starts on September 10. Get into it if you haven't already. To everyone who has left a rating or a review on iTunes, thank you. You can now listen and subscribe on Spotify. Maybe you're listening to it via Spotify already. For that, I thank you. Okay, Bethy Squires is here to talk all things Terrace House on the Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best much do take a listen would you now to what Danko Jones would do it's the middle of the night and you better do it fast turn the speakers up loud for Danko's podcast login protocol initiated sequencing algorithm interface the official Danko Jones podcast uploaded listen with caution are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Now. How you doing, Bethy? Good. How are you? Good. Um. So the reason why I reached out to you is because everyone I know has never heard of Terrace House. I have no one to talk about Terrace House with, and I'm addicted to the show. And so I, I read your Vulture article where you ranked every cast member on the show, and uh, I, I knew that this is someone who has watched the show as much as I have. Um, so that's why I reached out to you, and... Uh, yeah, I just, I just want. I have never been able to talk about Terrace House with anyone who's watched the show. I'm always just describing the show to people, trying to get them to watch it, so I'll have someone to talk to with. But uh, so, what's your, what's your elevator pitch for the show? How do you try and get people interested? Um, I say it's like real world Japan. That's my, that's my one liner. Because, you know, well, most people around these parts, if they haven't watched Real World, they kind of know what it is. 
but then I say that it's 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 devoid of all the the, the nonsense, mm. trashy drama that the real world brings, and there's a there's a lot of elements to Tara's house that that make it better than real world. There's another uh, there's like a set of commentators who rip on these kids, and that's just another layer that adds to you know uh, how great the show is and. And there's just there's also another element of how self-reflexive it is when, you know, live if you live in the house enough, uh, you end up watching yourself and reacting to that inside the show. So there's so many things going on. And I also like the fact that in real world on MTV, there's like this whole goal to get laid and get drunk and to show it on TV, whereas in, you know, Terrace House you know, holding hands is like, like, uh, you know, worth talking about. Um, and, and so it's, it's tamer in that sense. And I think a little more innocent, but also there's this element, which you point out in your article where the emphasis is on, um, you know, working hard and, uh, achieving your goals, et cetera, et cetera. I think I would probably also, Yeah, I think that it's a very motivating show Um, as a freelance writer. uh, I like watching the show because it's about people trying to achieve their goals. And then it motivates me to achieve my goals. I um, watched Aloha State on the treadmill a lot because of uh, the guilty samurai (laughs) character. (laughs) Taishi would always be exercising. And I was like, oh, I should be exercising right now. Oh, it would so it remind really, me that I had stuff to do. It really had that much of an effect on you. Yeah, I think so. I started watching Terrace House right when I moved to Los Angeles. So rather than go out into my new city and find friends, I had my friends on the panel uh, <laughs> to hang out with. And I, I wanted to speak a little bit more to the panel yeah. aspect of it. I think that is the true innovation of Japanese television is Mm. always having these commentators set aside. Mm -hmm. It's, I watch Vanderpump rules. That's my other reality show. And in some ways they couldn't be more different, but in other ways they are exactly the same because it's, you know, six ish people trying to further some sort of professional goals and, or date each other. And in that way, the two shows are exactly the same, but because there is no panel on Vanderpump Rules, these people have had to devastate their lives for content, <laughs> like truly explode their entire worlds sometimes uh, for our entertainment. Whereas on Terrace House, the kids in the house can sometimes be incredibly boring. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have to do anything that dramatic because the panel will make jokes about, ooh, what if this happened next? What if this happened next? The actual comedy and entertainment value can come from these professional comedians who are paid to do this job. And that takes some of the heat off of the children that we are voyeuristically paying attention to. <laughs> yeah, and they do it so well. I think Yoshimo, well, the, one of the, uh, the guys on the floor, sitting on the floor, I love how he paints these what if scenarios and he he makes it so um cinematic everybody's kind of touched by it and we all know that this is just made up by him on the spot this is never going to play out when we watch the next chapter of the show but i i just love it how he's able to do, how he's able to do that 
And then uh, Ryota, I think that's his name, uh, Yamasato. Yama, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he is my favorite uh, commentator. And he just hates the kids who are doing well or who are beautiful. (laughs) I just love his, I just love his angle. And of course, he's, uh, you know, situated as kind of the bad guy because the other panelists are there to kind of bat him down. You know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, I don't know, there's just so many layers about it. And you're right. That's something about the real world that I, you don't really see on other, you know, American television shows. No, because that's always been a part of like Japanese reality shows is that there is a panel of people watching the thing that we are all ostensibly watching. Like, yeah, even going as far back as like Iron Chef, there was always the panel watching and commentating. Mm-hmm. And if that show had started in America, I don't think there would have been that panel. It's just part of Japanese TV is that there's always people watching. And there's an audience, or maybe it's just the film crew, but there's an audience watching and reacting immediately to the panel. Yeah, it was like, it would be like if Talking Dead was interspersed in The Walking Dead and also nobody was a alleged predator on the panel. And wouldn't that be better all around? (laughs) Well... Yeah, I, uh, yes, exactly. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll speak to that in a second about one of the characters, actually, who is on um, Opening New Doors. But uh, who is your favorite panelist? Mm, I think it might be you. Right. She's great. Um, yeah, she was, she's had a long and storied career. She was a new wave artist in Japan before she was on Terrace House. And now she's like the horny mom of the group. <laughs> right. I love and her. Horny, ba- yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I love horny her. Mom is like a ar- archetype that is bigger <laughs> in Japan than it is here even. Well, I, I love how she pairs up with uh, Yoshimo um, mm-hmm. in certain scenarios and, and when they're retelling stuff. Yeah. They act as sort of the, the wise sages of the group. Uh, exactly. And everybody at least the main five, because there's always a revolving sixth panelist. Um, the main five, everyone has their their job. Everyone's this character that they've carved out for themselves. Like, I think Reno, if that's how you say her name, she's kind of the, the conscience of the group. She tries to reel everyone in. Um, and then, of course, uh, Ryota is is the... <laughs> The hater, I love. He's my favorite. I just, I love him. He's so funny, um, and he is. Yeah, he would be my favorite. Um, yeah, he's he's interesting because he positions himself in this like Omega Dog space in the panel. Like he is the person to be dunked on. That is his role, mm-hmm. and it's so fascinating to see somebody do that well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Another thing about Japanese television, I think, because I've watched Love Wagon as well. Are you familiar with that show? I'm familiar with it, but I haven't watched it. It's got a panel that they cut back to in the studio. That panel has an audience that reacts to them. But on top of all of that, there's a narrator that goes, you know, along with um, when, when we cut away from the panelists and go back into the show and the... the uh, cast members there's a narrator on top of all that and uh terrace house doesn't have that 
Um, and I think it's, sometimes it's a little too much. Um, but that's another aspect about Japanese reality shows that I don't see in North American shows. The thing about North American shows, too, is that they have those talking head testimonials, and there are no testimonials in Terrace House. You really don't know what the people on TV are thinking. Mm. You can only um, infer from their actions. Whereas in American TV shows, they have producers you know, asking questions, asking follow-up interview questions, uh, feeding lines maybe, uh, zhuzhing the narrative along using these narrations from the people in the moment. Yeah. And it's it's a way where it seems more authentic to the lived experience on Terrace House, although I'm sure it is as produced as any reality TV show. Well, just just the the amount I would have to assume of cameras situated inside the house to capture everything. Um I'm just like there's just no way in hell there's a there's a camera crew 24 hours a day. No, I heard from an interview from Lauren Sai from Aloha State that they really only come in like once a week to shoot. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm sure. I bet it's more than once a week, but it's like, yeah, not that often. So like I'd have to assume when they go out into the city, for example, uh, opening new doors when when there's a date that's happening in the city and they're going to restaurant, there's a crew following them, obviously. Yeah, and... (laughs) I was thinking about the dates recently because in opening new doors, do you remember um, right now? Oh, Soda wanted to take a girl, any girl, it seemed like, to the glass making place. Yes, yes. And then later in the season, two completely unrelated people do wind up going to the glass making place. And it was the first time it really clicked to me like, oh, they had a shooting permit for that place. They needed to burn it on some things. So at first it was going to be soda, but no, it turns out it's going to be the bassist and the woman. Well, um, or, or could it be that they were shooting in such a small town, there's only so many places you can go? I think it's absolutely both. Right. I think that there's only several places that you can get shooting permits for. Right, right. Because um, people go all over the like people go all over Japan for dates on this show so yeah. but they you know have to get permission to shoot there yeah legally but i would assume like um restaurants want the exposure or any place that they go to wants the exposure you know what i mean yeah i think yeah i would agree with that probably it seems to have a more social cachet than reality shows in america like again back to um, God's other perfect reality show, Vanderpump Rules. The restaurants that those people eat in, um, I live in Los Angeles, so I know that those the restaurants that they have shooting permits for are not the creme de la creme <laughs> right. of Hollywood. I mean, Terrace House does make every restaurant that they eat in like a five-star Michelin-rated restaurant, just the way they shoot the dishes before they're consumed. I mean, I get hungry watching the show. There's a lot of, you know, scenes where people are eating. Yeah. There's a a Twitter. I think it's just called Terrace House Food. If you Google that, you'll find it. That just takes screenshots of all of the food being cooked and eaten in fancy restaurants on Terrace House. Because that is (laughs) definitely, definitely a reason to watch. It's a big, it's a big reason, I think. 
Do you remember on Boys and Girls in the City, it seemed like every restaurant they went to and had some sort of aspect of it where you had to do the work yourself? Like there was one time where you had to make the soba noodles. There was another place where you caught the fish. I remember like, those scenes. Yeah. There, every restaurant seemed to be like a sort of beautiful um, post-industrial space with like some concrete and some Edison bulbs where you had to like hunt and cook your prey. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Um, uh, that's what hooked me into the show, actually, which is I was like, wow, this is kind of like the Food Network's reality show. That's that's what I remember thinking from the from Boys and Girls in the City. And then I think on Aloha State and Opening New Doors, not so much an emphasis on the food, even though on Opening New Doors, there's a lot of cooking in the house. Well, there's at least one alleged chef. Right. Oh, that little jerk. <laughs> He's my... Okay, so his name is um, Yudai, Yudai. Right? Yudai. Yeah. And he is my least favorite. And he was up on your... He was pretty high on your on your, your ranking as well as the worst uh, cast member on the show. Yeah, I think he was maybe like third to last. Yeah. My, my the, absolute least favorite was the Instagram rapper from... Aloha State. Was. I noticed that. that. Was- I noticed that, and he didn't bother me so much because he was just like you said, like just there, just hanging out. What did he do? Anything that was kind of out of the ordinary, other than like he tried to go on some dates. Nothing really panned out for him, right? Well, he also kind of was every. He was dead weight, but every yeah. time that he wasn't dead weight, he was just casually cruel. Is okay. what it seemed like. Okay. Um, yeah, he threw some of his like female house members under the bus. Uh, he kind of toyed with Anna's emotions, the girl who loves travel. Yeah, I remember um, that. So like every contribution he had to the show, except for when he um, checked Mariko on her narrative of all of her different white ancestors. Um, ex- <laughs> that was the only that was his only good moment. And everything else was just him being kind of mean or extremely boring, or bad at rapping. Oh, right. Yeah, he didn't... All of those were not useful to me. The one, <laughs> the one thing that did stand out was this guy's rap career is is just going to flatline once, I, once we saw the show. Yeah, the show is not a, a big success. But I mean, that was also in America. He might have a bigger following in Japan that we just don't know about. I'm sure I don't follow him on Instagram, but I'm sure he has plenty of diet tea sponsorships to keep him warm for the rest of his life. So you follow a lot of these cast members past the show on Instagram and and uh, Mm -hmm. Twitter and stuff. I wouldn't say a lot. I think I only follow. Okay, so maybe it's like five or six. So that could be considered a lot. Uh, I follow Sena, obviously, because she's the goat. Uh. I follow a couple people from Boys and Girls in the City. Mizuki from Boys and Girls in the City. I follow Shiona and Tsubasa, even though they broke up. And, I heard about that. Oh, and I follow Lauren Tsai's art blog, but not her personal blog. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, getting back to worst cast member, Yudai 
is tied with Sherry or Cherry for me. Those two were the worst. I, I found myself reacting, like actually saying stuff out loud, going, how can you treat people like this? Quit so ruining my nice show about nice people. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I love the drama that they both, both brought, but Udai especially, it was just, we all know that person in our lives. And it's just so frustrating to deal with that person. So it was definitely, that's where I was coming from. Yeah, I gave, I think I gave Sherry a little bit more slack, partially because she was American. So she was acting like she was on an American reality show. And <laughs> like, that's her culture. So I can't feel that bad about it. But Yudai knew that the show is about highly motivated young people who like to kiss. And he didn't seem interested in doing any of those things. Right, right. Uh, so don't be here. Even yeah. his friends, when they had like a scene where he was like, I'm thinking about leaving. His friends were like, no, that means we'll see you more. The people that he brought on to <laughs> yeah, be yeah. on his side didn't seem to want to talk to him. His ex-girlfriend, I his thought mom. That, I thought the ex-girlfriend scene was terrible. I just thought he shouldn't have done that at all. Why did he ask her to put his socks on? Just such a what weird... What kind of world? Yeah. When I sussed out the original six and and I realized, oh boy, this is just going to be so bad with this kid on board. Um, it did add some drama elements, but I just... I, I was glad to see him go. I was glad to see him go, too. I did love the scene where other Mizuki from um, from opening new doors, the drunk journalist slash lingerie designer, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I cherish her. I love her. But when she got hammered and like cried because she worried about what kind of life you guys going to have because he just seemed so <laughs> terrible. Uh, nothing has been more relatable than that moment where you're just like, you know, your life isn't going great. But you do see like a ghost of your past self and it just bums you out so horribly right. that you want to try and save them. Right, right. I hear you. Well, now one of the most controversial, I don't know if that's the word to describe him, but definitely had a lot of people in two different camps about him was uh, the, uh, the guilty samurai, Taishi. Tai <laughs> what's, your, what's your take on him? Where do you stand with that dude? He's such a dingus. Yeah. Um, I the you know he came on with a storyline and he was going to see it through. And yeah. I think that that was something that he sort of self-produced for himself, mm. a role that he wanted to play and he wound up doing it. I think he might be engaged now to Chicago. Oh wow. So he did so, find his love worth dying for. What does that even mean also? Like if you really love someone, don't you want to live? What are you saying? <laughs> right. I just found him like so melodramatic and preachy. Like he was telling all the other cast members like, you know, because he, I guess because he was older than them, he automatically assumed this position of seniority and, and telling them how to live their lives. I, I found him to be annoying, really, really annoying. And every time the, the panel would make fun of him, I was right there with them laughing. Yeah, I think I would agree when he would get like really pedantic. That was 
no good. And that's why I'm kind of shocked that you also really didn't like Sherry because so when they had a fight, you had no horse in that race is what you're telling me. Okay. Now that was a situation. That was the only time I kind of felt sorry for the dude when she was like just railing on him. And listen, but he inserted himself into that narrative for no good reason. Okay. He like he because the person that Sherry had beef with was the crying banker whose name I can't remember. All I remember about her is that she worked at a bank right. and she cried a lot specifically in this scene. But she was harmless really, right? If I no, remember yeah, exactly. correctly. Yeah. Exactly. She she and Sherry had an issue and Taishi decided that he needed to mediate it. Okay. And use that as a way to also bring up that he felt like Sherry had done uh, Eric, the coffee shop, just useless man, like done him dirty. <laughs> so he was just like, this is my chance. He he sort of set up like a witch trial for Sherry, for lack of a better. I, you know what? I guess better. you're I guess you're right. But I just I don't know. There's something about her that just bugged me. I just didn't like how. She came off hypocritical to me. That's all. Right? Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I mean, I'm a little fuzzy on the, the storyline at this point because it has been a while. Um, but that's what I walked away from when, when that scene went down. And we're talking about, I think we were talking about the same scene where she's a little drunk. So she's just shooting her mouth off at everybody. And then I remember Taishi kind of came in the way of that and she just ripped on him hard. Yeah, and she said, like, I don't want to speak to you for the next... We have seven days until we leave. I do not want to speak to you and if you talk to me, I will not respond. <laughs> right, right. But then they talk later and it's yeah, fine. But it was yeah. like such... Honestly, I think you need a little bit of drama in these shows. Uh, it can't all be uh, nice dates to historic shrines and discussions about who is doing enough laundry. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, so for me, I, I appreciated that moment. That was, you know, an iconic moment, whether or not you feel like it was uh, nice or in line with the other version of the show. Okay. So what do you think about the storyline? I, I, there's something about this guy's face and just how he was, how he carried himself, just made me want to just like slap him, which was uh, Hayato from uh, Boys and Girls in the City and how him and uh, Rykopin had this uh, behind the scenes fling. He just yeah, seems that was gross. like such a creepy old dude. Am I wrong here? No, he was 31 and she was 20, maybe, maybe 19. <laughs> It's you know, weird. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. There's a, a big age gap, but just the way he just came off like a creepy dude, like a creepy old dude. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He was, he just, his face seemed like you're hiding something, man. Just his face. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> um, I, I, I could see that he did, especially in the scene where he was confronted, he didn't talk. He let Rico like sort of take the hit for him yeah, and just sort of sat there with like a stink face the whole time. That's probably what was the impression I got of him when I, I mean, I'm going, again, I'm going back a while, but yeah, that's, that's more familiar to me where he's just letting her, you know, eat it while he's just sitting there like, like a wimp, man, I can't stand that dude. Well, I, I also didn't like him because he 
made, like Taishi, he made this arbitrary decision that at a certain age he was going to quit acting or modeling, I forget which, uh, and just yeah, right. become a chef now instead. Right. Oh, which that's right. He did, worked in a restaurant, right? Yeah, such an arbitrary deadline to give yourself. But <laughs> yeah. okay. But then he's still on a reality show. So like, how dead are those dreams, Hayato? I feel like you lie about not wanting stuff. That's kind of your thing. You try to seem more aloof or like not into things as you actually are. You're a liar, Hayato. (laughs) (laughs) um, When he hears this, he'll be so mad. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) He's going to stalk me on Instagram. Um, Okay, so there's two, two other big characters that... Uh, first of all, before I get to that, what is your favorite of the seasons you've watched? I think it's the first one, Boys and Girls in the City. Right. It's what hooked you. Yeah, I sort of imprinted on it like a duckling so that now other things, right. when it changes, it uh, it feels lesser, even though it's probably just different. Right. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, I I liked all of them though. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Aloha State is is number three. It's at the bottom for me. Uh, maybe it was because it was set in in the states and not in Japan. But uh, opening new doors definitely uh, got better and better. Um, now, there's two characters on opening new doors that really struck me, and it was. Uh, okay, first it was Shohai, I think his name is. Yeah, the Shohei. lead singer of 31989. Is that the name of his new funk soul outfit? Yeah, his city pop band. Is that the genre? That's the name of the genre? I can't genre? remember whether, because he had two bands, and I know one of them was city pop, and oh. I think it might have been 31989 or whatever. Right, because Umbrella, which is the song he wrote while he was living under the the show mm-hmm. uh, is under three nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, I think that's the one that he's still in. But when he started the show, he was in two bands, and I liked the second one more. But alas, what is your opinion on Show High? High. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> he created so many great moments that were cringeworthy endearing though at the same time and you felt for the guy but at the same time you're like how are you going to live this down everyone in the world's watching this and these I, are, you know yeah for me it was just the kissing Seda without asking and and ignoring her obvious face of discomfort uh really yicked me out yep and then Call you know making the church date, calling ahead for the church date. That was funny, and especially since I knew he was going to get shot down. Yeah. So I was I was looking forward to his comeuppance. <laughs> like, but um, no, I yeah I think he's kind of a creep. Uh, the things he said about Mayu, the things he said about Sena, uh, were gross. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he is actually like a sensitive person and a caring friend even to women, despite the other things he says about women and their bodies. But um, I don't like him as a TV character. I'm sure he's fine as a human being. Right. Um, he, yeah, you're right about kissing uh, Sino, Sino? I can't say Sena. Sena. Uh, and she's your number one. Um, yeah. uh, Obviously. Rightfully so. I mean, she's done 
multiple seasons, right? I mean, she's a fan favorite. She's been on, I think, every season of the show. <laughs> Not right. always as a house member. Sometimes she just stops in for yeah. a one-off guest spot. Yeah, and it's always memorable. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, first of all, I, I, I can't stand his music. That's the best part. And the, the other scene that was so cringeworthy was when he was leaving and he put on this impromptu show. Oh my God. What for, a nightmare. That to was have amazing. to like sit there and listen to your friend's band. Amazing. It's amazing. Oh my God. And, and everyone was crying. Now, were they crying because they were being made to sit through this set or were they genuinely crying because he was leaving? I don't know. It's unclear. It's unclear, right. <laughs> and even his shows in the city, like at legit nightclubs, and they flash over to the cast watching it, it's like they're, you know, they're forcing themselves to sit through this set of, of like, Jamiroquai, 10th generation Jamiroquai garbage soul. I, I love it. I, lo I loved him for that. And of course, the church scene with Sino was classic. So good. It was so good. And that was another one where the panel really made it come to life because they, the, I think they had Yama pretend to be Shohei. And then <laughs> I think Tokui was the guy working at the church. Like, I just want to make sure that I'm allowed to ask my ask my friend to be my girlfriend church. Yes, yes, yes. We don't care. Do whatever you want in our church. <laughs> yeah, 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 you yeah. don't have to ask us this. They <laughs> just run through that scene over and over again, and it was pure gold. It's gold. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, he he's a guy who, like you're saying, when he goes in and lunges in for a kiss, even though it's you know an uninvited kiss. Um, the signals were not there. No. Like even if you think that nonverbal consent <laughs> works, like you're doing that wrong. Yeah, it works in the movies, but even then, both characters are just locked on each other for a few seconds before they both go in, and they both have to go in on the kiss. Um, like especially since later we see what enthusiastic consent from Sana looks like. Right with Noah. With Noah. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's a guy who can't read the room, can't read everybody who's on the cast, like does, can't read himself. Like, okay, Shohai, I, I don't mean to, to make fun of you, but like, look at you. Now look at Noah <laughs> and just see what's going to go down. And, and, uh, that was quite funny. I mean, I just, his, 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 his I, but at the same time, I really liked him for all the same reasons. Hmm. Yeah. Who is your other uh, controversial figure from Opening New Doors? Yui. <laughs> Ui? Yui? Yui. That crazy bitch. Man, oh, my God. I, I was like, I was on her side, man. Especially when she caught up to the show and watched herself and realized, my God, I can't believe, you know, I, and she was actually able to see herself in, in the most immediate you know, way possible on a reality show with everybody else. I thought I felt for her so much, but near the end, what did you think of that with the, uh, what was it? The sock incident? Oh my God. The sock, the sock incident. And then also that she had been secretly in a relationship with the soccer guy. Rio. Io, 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 Io. Right. Yeah. Um, I, oh 
God, of it. there's so much well, that was just so. I, I I I left her team. I don't think I was ever on her team because she. First of all, the panel kept talking about how sweet and innocent she was, and mm. it was really grossing me out. Um, <laughs> how so? <laughs> like, like because you knew she wasn't, or no? Because like the way they're sort of fetishizing the fact that she was a virgin felt very disgusting. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay, right, right. That angle. And then right. like, and then like making assumptions about her character based on like one aspect of her personal history mm-hmm. seemed insane. And it turned out I was right. That was an insane idea to like assume that she was a pure and innocent and nice person just because she hadn't had sex yet. Because it turned out she was actually like massaging her storyline the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand her when the narrative was that she was pure and good. I was like, I'm not getting that vibe from her. This is weird. I'm confused. Then when she seemed like she was just a weird robot who was tone deaf and didn't understand how to talk to human beings. I could get on board with that. That's fine. That's a way a human can being can be in the world. Right. Then it turned out she was just trying to produce her own storyline. So the reason she never came off as a genuine person is because she was never being a genuine person. And that's annoying on reality TV. So I feel like I did, I went through, um, the gamut of emotions with her, but originally, I felt like she was disingenuous, and then I thought she was genuine, but weird, and then it turned out, no, I was right the first time, she's disingenuous. Yeah. No, yeah, you pretty much got it. I I didn't like the fact that she was, uh, I can't remember that girl's name that they all kind of piled on in the girl's bedroom, uh, who turned down the bass player in the end, but they were piling on her because of what she had done with Io. Or the socks, because she, and and at this and yet she was kind of doing something very similar, you know, mm-hmm. making up her own storylines and and then she oh I just I yeah I it could it be that when she finally saw herself when the show caught up and she was able to see herself she realized that she could manipulate things you know like she could manipulate things further. I think she had always been coming to the show with an agenda with an idea of what her storyline would be. And then when she saw the first batch of her episodes, she realized that her original plan wasn't playing. Mm -hmm. So she tried to course correct and it worked for a little bit and then it fell apart. The thing is, I think a lot of the cast members approach the show like she did, except they, they have a little more finesse with it and they're able to do it a little more subtly. Um, yeah, that know, seems very probable. You know, show the viewers because you're completely aware 24 hours a day when you're living in the show, even though you're saying there's only a crew once a week, you're still aware of all the cameras. Um, and so you act accordingly. It changes your natural behavior, doesn't it? I mean, even, yeah. even the scenes with like someone goes into Tokyo and they meet up with their friends who are not on the show to talk about the cast members, their friends aren't acting normally. Their friends are aware that there's a camera crew right next on the table next to them. Everything, even as much praise as Terrace House has gotten for just how how much of reality it's brought back to reality television, you can never get away with the the the, the fact that everybody is aware of of what's going on. Sure, and I think it'd be 
yeah, crazy to assume that anyone is acting genuinely. Like I'm talking differently with you right now because I know I'm being recorded. Mm-hmm. There's fewer swears and I'm <laughs> trying to not take as many pauses or say, um, as you can much swear, as by possible. the way, you can swear. Well, great. But, <laughs> you know, but everybody lives a mediated existence right now. What with the social media? Everybody is performing a self all the time to everyone else anyway, if you believe in like Foucault or whoever. Um, So I think that there's still you can still make a critique of somebody who has a bigger gap between their presentational self and their self image. Sure, sure. We've we yeah, we're all on this kind of level playing field where of awareness and then you took it to like hyper awareness. Yeah. And so did, and I found her name, by the way, because they have the article pulled up. So did Risako, the, who tried to... What number is she? She is 38. Okay. So that makes it a lot now. easier. Risako, yes, yeah. I found, I, I, I kind of felt sorry for her because they, she, yes, she did try and, you know, make her own storyline. But in the end, I, th- I found she was genuinely sorry for it. And yet Yui was just piling on. Yeah, for sure. She was definitely the wronged party in that situation. But I also find it a little suspicious that the storyline that she planned on having with Io is exactly the storyline she wound up having with the bassist. Mm, yeah. Of like, they'll go on dates, you'll ask me out, this time I'll turn you down. Um, also, do you, know, do you know the thing about the backstory on the bassist and the bassist band well that's what has a name but i can't remember it that's what i was going to bring up is there's a sex scandal because you you brought up talking dead there's a sex scandal on terrace house revolving what's his name maso that sounds right yeah masao masao uh do you know the details of that um i don't know about masao specifically but his the 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 bandmate the bandmate yeah his bandmate was married and maybe had an affair but is denied it the whole time okay but it does seem very probable that he went on terrace house and had to have a very sticky storyline just so that the seo for that band would get better yeah because the 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 guy the bandmate in question was in was in a couple of scenes and he came off looking like a million bucks because he was such a good friend and yeah yeah Exactly. And like talking about how he's just so emotionally intuitive and close to all of his friends. And like, that's what was going on with me and that other person. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And that the panel never mentioned it either. It was like, no. oh, okay, everyone's in on this. I get it. I get it. But they mentioned a scandal. And so like I, it left me as a viewer who is completely cut off from Japanese culture other than Terrace House asking, what is it? Is it a Me Too thing? Like what's going on here? No, it, it was yeah. it wasn't a Me Too thing. It was a cheating scandal. Pretty standard issue. I mean, that's that's his own business, as far as I'm concerned. But if it was a Me Too thing, I would be like, why is this guy on this show, and why isn't any of the panelists who are so critical of everyone? Why aren't they pointing that out? Um, you bringing up the fact that Rosako and Maso might have made up this own, their own storyline. I never thought of that until you just mentioned it, but I do remember when Masao, Masayo, uh, first got to the house, he was talking to Ayo 
um, outside smoking a cigarette and he said he liked Yui mm-hmm. immediately. So Risako wasn't even on his radar when he got to the house. So you might have something there with that theory about Risako and Masao. And that does happen, though, on the show. A lot of the time, people, the first sort of person that they're drawn to on the show isn't usually who they wind up coupled up with. Mm. That's so. true. I mean, that happens in life. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Terrace House is life, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I found that interesting. I mean, you know, Risako is like a full on legit model. So it's easy for, you know, someone to, you know, find her attractive. It's not, you know, it wasn't, a, a, it wasn't hard for me to go, oh, yeah, he, he's attracted to Risako, you know. Um, and again, it made him look great because she turned him down and, uh, the way she was crying kind of saved herself as well. She felt remorse at the end. So they both kind of won in the end in terms of viewership's, uh, sympathies. Yeah. Which is why I suspect it. (laughs) Right. 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 I never even thought of it. I genuinely thought that she turned him down and it was all, but yeah, it just seemed too scripted. It seemed like it was like out of a John Waters film or something. Just because he was a John Waters film. Why not? No. Uh, just a, a bassist falling in love with a pretty woman. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm just thinking like, no, no, just the, the buildup of it. Right. Like hmm. uh, the, 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 how he was going to, everyone was, was gunning for like, on his side and they were hoping that even the panelists were all like hoping for him. rooting for him yeah there there and this happened before on aloha state with lauren sai and um the guitar player yeah the ukulele guy yeah that also but not as much as masao and because and i think it's because he's he was like he's like a known person in japan being in this big band um so people were extra rooting for him no, you, think, you didn't think that like that it was kind of like a, a like a scripted teen movie. It felt scripted for sure. Uh, do you mean John Hughes? What did I say? John Waters. Oh, oh no! I I, I didn't mean Pink Flamingos. I meant yeah. Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. why. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Pretty in pink. <laughs> Pretty in pink. Breakfast Club. Yeah. When you said John Waters, I was thinking. Pretty in pink going, yeah. I was like, did I miss the scene where Masao ate dog shit? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I mean uh, John Hughes. Sorry. Um, you know what I mean? Like that, it, yeah, it seems no, totally... it does. It did feel like a romantic comedy, except for that everyone involved was like yeah. 30. Uh, right. It's a, it's a post-teen John Hughes. It's more <laughs> Uncle Buck than... Uh, or or Home Alone or whatever or any yeah. any, of, any of Hughes's other movies other than the teens teen dramas, um, but I felt like the Lauren Sai ukulele uh, scenario when he took her out on a date and then she like ditched him before it was over and then he still went to the restaurant. I mean, I thought that was laying it on a little thick, don't you? Yeah, that was like, insane. That I think was, anybody could have told that she like even before the date happened that she wasn't into him. That it wasn't going to happen. 
Yeah, but I think his roommates were were not goading him, but like gassing him up. Yeah, because and it's also a hyper reality where he knows he's on television and it's gonna the all of Japan is watching this and why why shouldn't I be able to you know get this girl because she you know I'm on this show but it's still <laughs> real life you know so I felt sorry for him but at the same time it's like you don't have to go to the restaurant man you're not gonna pull my strings that way pal <laughs> here's my problem with with the ukulele guy um, whose stage name is Eden Kai, but I cannot remember his real name right now for life of me. He is a ukulele and classical guitar player, which means that he has weird pointy fingernails. And <laughs> okay, okay. Therefore, is just not a viable sexual partner for anyone. It's just never going to happen. <laughs> okay. That's a, tur- that's a major turnoff. I, I see it. Okay. He has weird vampire fingernails. No thanks. <laughs> so maybe you and Lauren thought the same. Yeah. I feel who, like we were on the same page there. Who has who? Lauren Sai, I feel is the one cast member who's benefited the most from the show. She seems to be doing great in both the streams of her career. Yeah, she's gonna be like starring in the next season of Legion, I think. Oh wow! Her, her role seems pretty important on that show. Yeah. Wow! Like I didn't. She didn't come off to me as like an actress. Uh, I guess her acting ability was able to get her on that show. She didn't, uh, did she ever showcase any acting ability on the show? It was I all mean, modeling. I mean, on that date with Eden Kai. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Even sitting through the movie, I guess that was a, enough, yeah. right? Uh, but but uh, how, do you know anything about her illustration career? Um, Not a ton. I know she did a collab with, I want to say Mark Jacobs or maybe Louis Vuitton, some fancy fashion house. And she's done like some Starbucks cups in Japan and stuff. Uh, it seems to be going well for her, the drawing aspect of her career. That's, I mean, yeah, everyone else, not so much. There was, there was this one guy who stayed on for like two episodes or something to look at other clothing stores in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the one guy who was like... I know you mentioned in in your article, like there's a few cast members where you're like, uh, who are you again? And uh, that's the great part about the show. It's just whatever happens, happens. Um, I love that. They bring in a yeah. new cast member, even though, you know, there's only a few weeks left of the show. And then he just does it as kind of a vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I thought was pretty funny. Um Okay, well, that, I mean, listen, this is the most I've ever spoken about Terrace House with anyone in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's just so great that I, I can do this. It's like, ugh, just getting it out of my system. But I can't, even though, I'll, I'll let you go soon. I have to ask you, and I gotta say, he's might be my favorite cast member, simply because he was the most non-offensive person and everybody ended up liking him. Armand. Oh, I love Armand. Yeah, he was great. He's he just was like a little teddy bear. <laughs> he's just a dude, you know, like you just want to hang. He can hang with you, you know? Yeah. He can be your, just, yeah. your wingman. He can be your buddy. He could be your, yeah. You could cry on his shoulder. 
The panel seemed to resent the fact that he was never really trying to be a firefighter or whatever his various other jobs were. Yeah. But this was the only way he could afford to be in Japan to be, <laughs> right. was to be on the show. Right. So I've, I didn't begrudge him how long he stayed at all. They, they made extra fun of him and, and I wasn't on board with that, with all their jokes. I mean, he definitely made fun of him where I was laughing, but yeah, yeah I, I was team Armand for that. Definitely. And I'm happy oh. to see, do you know the update on him? Is he still together with that? I can't remember her name, but. Are they a Martha. couple? Martha. Are they are they a couple still? Do you know? Mm, I think they might be. That's great. Well, I'm happy for Armand. Yeah, I'm happy for Armand too. Just hanging out. What was it? Um, my number two guy, number the two. architect. Oh, okay. What? Okay, okay. Um, Hanson. 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 Yeah. Hanson. What yeah, is well, your opinion? You said that Armand's like goal in life should just be to be happy and like hang out <laughs> and i think he was right so you've got hansen at number two he wouldn't be ranked as high as you have him on my list um everyone loved him i mean reno and yukiko they loved him mm-hmm. and i get the appeal i mean he's uh, a kind of a solid dude He's got a good moral compass on him, and he's a good-looking guy. But why are you on the show, dude? Like, he had a girlfriend. Why are you on the show? You're just on the show so everybody can heap praise on you because you know how great you are. That's my opinion on him. Like, like get out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) I Okay. I feel like he was just like a good team player and he was the only person who could make Natsumi bearable. Oh, Yatsumi. Uh, Natsumi, she's... Wait a minute. Number 31 on your list, right? Yeah. She yeah. was a terrible person. <laughs> I did not care for her. But he was the only one who could calm her down. He was the only one who could make Arissa watchable for me. Arissa, um, she's... Number... She's the hat one. Oh, the one I liked her. Hat. Oh, no, I'm so she's sad. terrible. No, I like that. No, it. Oh. she's trash. No, she's the worst. Why? Armand tried to hook up with her, right? Yes, because she was only there. Yeah, multiple people tried to hook up with her, uh, but she was only there to promote her hats. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, anyone who has a hat business is, that's already a check against you in my book, honestly. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's 2019. We don't need hats. Calm down. We have sunscreen. <laughs> Um, and a pop-up coffee store in uh, in uh, Hawaii. Am I right? Oh, my God. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> this is 3D model. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I, think Arisa, I think Arisa was there for the wrong reasons, to use a bachelor term. And then sort of, like, let these dates happen to her. Which, you know, to be fair, what are you going to do? Not go on the dates and not be on the show at all? And right. maybe you do, like just genuinely hanging out with these people as friends and that's fine. But it's just seemed, she's just seemed so craven to me in her hat promotion. And the fact that she wasn't even in the house a lot of the time because she was at the hat store doing hat stuff. (laughs) Also she bought the hats like pre-made. She just kind of like shaped them a little bit. Like how much hat work are you really doing? Right. Did you add a ribbon? What did you, what is your contribution to the hat? Well, Okay, for for as 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 your opinion on 
what's I can't remember her name. There's so many names. Um, her, the hat lady. Okay, hat lady is the same opinion as I have about Hanson. Like, okay, yes, you're right. He was a good mediator for Natsumi. He was good in the house with all the players, but he didn't know the dynamic he was walking into. Why was he there? He, he had a girlfriend already. He had a career going. What the hell are you there for, dude? Why are you here? You're just here because you know you're a really cool person. Get out of here, man. Let Armand take the spotlight. That's my opinion. <laughs> I mean, he did have the architecture uh, competition. That was like his storyline. Like his his time frame was constrained by that. So there was like a, a professional goal he was trying to achieve. Even though he like did all of his architecture work at the atelier. But whatever. <laughs> but I mean, he's like the hat lady. Like but why she... should any? Well, no, because I think the hat lady went on to promote a business, and okay. Hanson, if Hanson went on the show because he thought he was cool, and more people should get a load of how cool he is, isn't that the reason why any of us do anything? It's because we think we're good at it, and we want people to know about how good we are at being a person. No, no, no. <laughs> No, Armand was there to find love. He was there to find a love worth Armand dying for. Armand was there for a vacation. Armand was, was the real go good samurai. <laughs> <laughs> he was the real good samurai, man. He felt no guilt, for sure. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, even just ta- getting my opinion on Hanson out was enough. This is perfect. Um, but uh, thanks a lot for... Thanks a lot for uh, uh, talking with me about Terrace House, Bethy. And, and when the new season's out and it's played out, we got to do this again. Yeah, totally. <laughs> do you have people in your life to talk Terrace House with? I do. Oh, um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm set. <laughs> I have, <laughs> right. I'm, a, I'm in a Facebook group about it and um, I run a Terrace House screen caps Twitter. So I get a lot of interaction online at least. If oh, not wow. in real life. Okay. Okay. Now do you have like, now that's online, but like, do you have like friends you watch it with? Like, do you guys like gather around the, the, the TV? Um, I don't think I gather on the TV with anyone, but I do have friends who have seen the show that right. I talk to, but they're a little bit behind me. <laughs> Right, right, on the show. right, right, right. Yeah, see, I, I, uh, I download it on my iPad and I watch it, you know, while I'm on the road and in planes and I look around when, you know, I don't know, Ryota says something hilarious and I'm laughing out loud and I look around and I don't have anyone to talk about it with. So this is great. Well, thanks a lot, Bethy. Thank you for uh, um, talking Terrace House with me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, for having hour. me. Yeah, thank you. Someone's gotta stop this madness 